Good morning. Welcome to the Sunday morning worship, worship service at the North Brevard Church of Christ. We are glad to see all of you here this morning, your bright smiling faces. We're also glad for those of you who are joining us via the internet. Let's begin, <clears throat> let's begin this morning and open our service with number 567, Restore My Soul. to be a part of you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Thank you, Father, that he lived an unselfish life and a life that was, a life that was geared to doing your will. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here at North Provide, Father. Father, we ask that you uh, be with the graduates, Father, as they move to a new plateau in their lives. Father, be with our sick members, be with Calvin Noble, Betty Larner, Lex Pierce. Father, be with Brenda Scott as she goes through some major challenges in her life, Father. Please, please bless her in this walk. Father, we also pray for our country, Father. We pray that as a whole we don't get full of ourselves and we, we depend on you. 
Father, whenever we look around and think that we have a serious problem, Father, we pray that we understand and have faith and trust that Jesus is the answer. Father, we, we're weak, we're flawed, we, we handle things badly, but Father, continue to, to help us make it down that pathway to heaven. We love you, Father. Bless our worship service. And Father, give us that enthusiasm to be ambassadors for you. Pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To help, <clears throat> to help us prepare our thoughts for the Lord's Supper, number be thankful for the first day of the week because it is a day that we can gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and remember our Savior and Son of God who gave all that we might have hope of eternal life 
And help us to remember also that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there also. So he is here with us. And on the first day of the week, we have the opportunity to take of the Lord's Supper. He first instituted that in the upper room with his disciples. He passed the bread and he said, take eat, this is my body. And then he passed the fruit of the vine and he said, drink ye all of it, for this represents my blood. So, if y'all will play, pray with me. Beloved Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can gather here and to rejoice in your Son and our Savior Jesus for all the sacrifices he did for us. Help us, Father, to put away the thoughts and cares of our daily lives and to be of one mind with each other as we remember Jesus and all that he did for us. We pray, Father, that you would bless his bread, which represents his body, and that you might forgive us our sins. In prayer in Christ's name, amen. Let us give prayer for the fruit of the vine. Heavenly Father, we continue to thank you for this opportunity to be around your table. We pray that you would bless this fruit of the vine, which represents Christ's blood. And we pray that you would help us to strive to live a Christian life and that we could meet with you in heaven. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you have given us in our lives, and we may we give back a portion of those gifts used for the uplift of your kingdom. In Christ's name, Amen. Good morning. I'll be reading Matthew 18, 19, 19 through 20. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. At this time, children through the second grade may go to their classes with their teachers. And before, <clears throat> before Matt's lesson this morning, let's sing number 448. If it's convenient for you, let's stand while we sing this hymn.
that called out the church and if you remember two weeks ago we started with the beginning of the church that statement that Peter made where he said you are the Christ the Son of God and he said upon that statement I will build my church upon this rock right upon this rock that statement I will build my ecclesia the people who are called out the people who I have made holy through the blood of of my sacrifice, which we're going to get into today. But, so we went to Acts chapter 2, because Acts chapter 2 is where that moment started. This is the beginning of the church. Anybody who knows their Bible, who knows the history of the Bible, knows that Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, is the beginning of the church, right? So I wanted to kind of take a step back, and this is going to be interesting today because we are doing a shotgun approach, okay? Normally, I try to start with A and end in F and connect all the letters. Today, I'm just going to go, Bleh. all right? That's what we're going to do because we're going to try to cover a lot of things. Point, the point of this today is to get a generalization, a good idea of what the church is biblically 
so that we can go in depth in each of these individual things as the series progresses, okay? But I want everybody to kind of have that starting point. So I'm going to assume that you know nothing, okay? That's what we're going to do today. So before we um, went to Acts chapter 2, I thought before we go any further, it would be good to go backwards to what Jesus said about the church. Jesus actually didn't speak a ton about the church, but he does say a few things, okay, that are going to be very different, um, similar to the old covenant versus the new covenant, right? Very different things about this church and this style of worship and this, um, the way things work versus the Old Testament, all right, and the old covenant and the old way that things would go. So, Matthew 18 says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, it doesn't matter if your church is 10,000. It doesn't matter if your church is two or three. God is there with you. God is pleased with that. God honors that. All right, And you see that right from the beginning from the very words of Jesus. John 15, he says this, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. Now he's talking to the disciples who are going to become the apostles. But he's naming a very specific purpose of the church. And he's even All right, we're going to move on. We're going to get back to that, I promise. I'm not going to just leave you hanging. And then you've got John 17. Right? So prayer is not for the alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. So he's talking about the disciples who are going to become the apostles, right? And now he's talking about the church. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's the church. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. <coughs> I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So, he also says we're going to be unified. That the church is going to be unified. And he gives you another hint of how that's going to be possible. And it's again, not by your own doing. Right? Just as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, God is in you. And you are in God. <coughs> so, Matthew 28, 
is the last part of Jesus' message that many of us know. We call this the Great Commission, right? It says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> Excuse me, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose that Jesus came. He didn't just come to wash away the sin of the world, he came to start a movement that would set a standard of God, godly living in the world that would convert the world to the message of Christ, to the love of Christ. This is the purpose. So when did it start? How do we know it started in chapter 2? Because of Jesus' own words. What was that date? Back here. What was that date? It's this. They're in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 1, they're in Jerusalem. And we talked about this in the first uh, sermon of this series. Because Peter uses this in his own defense to explain what's going on, what the people are seeing, what they're in awe and wondering about. <coughs> and he uses this in his argument in Acts chapter 2, and you can go look that up if you need to. We discussed it two weeks ago. But in Acts chapter 1 it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Look, Jesus has, de he has died. He has been sacrificed. He has risen from the dead. And they're still asking him if you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel. So anybody who says that that's not how Israel missed the point, even his disciples were still expecting this even though he had told them over and over and over again. Something completely contradictory to this. This world, my kingdom is not of this world. In verse 7 he says, he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, right? Now look what he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom, right? But you have received power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, that perfectly bleeds in from the Great Commission, where God says, Go into where Jesus says, Go into all the world, baptizing all nations. Okay? And he actually gives the pattern right here. He says it's going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And let me tell you something. That's still our mission today. That's still our mission today. Yes, it starts with our community, right? It would make sense that for the Jews, the message would come out 
from Jerusalem. That's their hub. That's their community. But when you get to Judea and Samaria, you're getting to the outskirts. And then some interpretations actually have this of not to the end of the world, but to the remotest parts of the world. This is our mission. When did it start? How do we know it started in Acts chapter 2 and not before? Because in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Just like Jesus promised it would. Told them where to go and wait. And told them what they were waiting for. This is the kingdom of God. It's not of this world. It's people who have been called out of this world. That's why we sing songs like, this world is not my... It's not. When you compare your life to eternity, James says, your life is like a vapor. A micro dot of gas. Gone like that. At $5 a gallon. I'll just make sure y'all were awake. This is the point. This is what we're doing. This is what we should be about. Listen, I don't care if you get every single thing right in your church worship. And we're going to talk about that today too because I told you we're shotgunning this. If you're not evangelizing your community, what are you doing? I don't care if you sing your heart out in church. If you don't talk to your family and your friends about Jesus, the only name that can save what are we doing? What are we really doing? Somehow in this culture, this culture of the land of the free and the home of the brave, am I speaking to y'all yet? We have learned to keep our mouths silent about the truth because we're afraid of what? We're going to offend our family or our friend? Do you realize when this message was brought out to the world, how many people died for this message? We just had Memorial Day, right? Is that important to anybody else? Right? Freedom is never free. It always costs something, right? Jesus bought your freedom with the blood of Christ. That's what he bought it with. That's our Memorial Day. It's right here. Happens right here. Happens all out there. Right? It wasn't free. It came with a price. But we won't share it because we're afraid to offend somebody. The words of life that can save. What benefit does it, is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his... Do you believe that? This is the purpose. This is why we're here.
Because at the end of the day, look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, we just went through this on Sunday night. At the end of the day, you used to be strangers. I want you to see this before we read it. You used to be aliens. You used to be far off from the promises of God, from the hope of everlasting life. And it's not just you, it's everybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Everybody in this entire world. We're all on level playing field in the, in the scriptures, you guys. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your, 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 your culture. It doesn't matter the way you believe about things. We're all on the same level playing field in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your sex. So you used to be strangers. You used to be aliens. You used to be far off, right? It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, meaning family, but also meaning the house that's being built, which we will get into later in a deeper conversation. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, <coughs> excuse me, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there's our purpose, here's our point. We're a temple. We have the Spirit of God. You know what's amazing? The, the, the bricks that make up the temple, which houses something that is perfect, truthfully is each one of them is imperfect. But by the grace of God, through the blood of Christ, we have been made perfect. And we're being built into a temple. I just want you to remember that. Here's another one, Colossians 1.18, talking about Jesus, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among, from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, <coughs> And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So here's the truth. We're not just a temple. We're a body. And in our body is the spirit of God because our body is the temple of God. Individually and collectively. Right? And how do you get through that? How do you get to that? How do you become part of that body? You accept the blood of Christ. It's right there. You receive the Holy Spirit. We already read that part. Start putting it together. We have to be reconciled. This is the part of the message that is tough for everyone to hear. You are not okay on your own. On your own, you were lost. On your own, you are sinful. And on your own, you will search out and feed those sinful desires. You will still do that at times, 
with the Holy Spirit in you. So imagine what you'd be like on your own. So you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the shedding of the blood on the cross and and getting access to that. Now let's get into some formalities. Because the scripture actually keeps what the church is supposed to do when it comes together very simple. It's not a complicated issue. Right? Paul talks about it this way. I guarantee you, if you spent any time in this church, you've heard this. You already know what this scripture is talking about just from the first few words. Right? So passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What are we supposed to do when we come together? We're supposed to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How are we supposed to do that? Through the Lord's Supper. By eating of the bread, by drinking of the fruit of the vine. Remembering the broken body, the shed blood. This is something we're supposed to do. It's simple, but it's the truth. And it's right there in Scripture. How about this one? (coughs) Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, there that comes again, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There's a bunch of stuff on here. I'm just going to point it out real quick. There's prayer, there's singing, and there's teaching. That's what's there. All right? Titus chapter 1. The reason I left you in Crete was uh, that you might put in order what was left unfinished. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. There's a structure. There's an order. There's a system. Okay? That's what I'm trying to show you today. There's a structure, there's a system, there's an order to this thing. It's not like we're just shooting in the dark. It's not like we just put a sign out there that puts a name that sounds good to the world and then we just kind of figure out whatever we want to do in this place. It's in the scriptures. It's plainly seen. And part of that's to have elders. Notice what he says. Without elders, what he set out to do is unfinished. I can show you many scriptures where Paul talks about how he put elders in every church that he established. But it doesn't even just stop there. Right? Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start this one tonight. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, 
to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Elders are the overseers. Elders are the shepherds. Deacons, the word deacon, it means servant. That's what it means. So the elder is someone who says, I will shepherd the flock. I will guard the flock. I will take care of the flock. I will help guide the flock. The deacon is the one that says, I will do the work of the church. I will serve the church. Ephesians 4. I point this out so you can see the entire structure, the entire system, the entire order. And he gave the apostles and the prophets. Listen, everything that we do as a church should be derived from the teachings of Jesus Christ, the apostles, and the prophets. Everything that we do as the ecclesia, okay? <clears throat> so that's why he starts that way. Apostles and prophets. Then after that, he says evangelists. What's an evangelist? The evangelist is someone who spreads the word of God. Listen, you can be a teacher and not be a good evangelist. You can be a great evangelist and not be a good teacher. It's possible. I know lots of people like that. They actually are different. Which is why he has them separated out. We're not all called to be the greatest fishermen in the church. We're not all called to be the greatest teacher in the church. Very few people have the ability to be the greatest fisherman and the greatest teacher. But this is what he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And what was the point of that? This is specific. This is part of the plan of God for those who are called out. What was the point of that? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And let me tell you something, the world doesn't have to get this crazy for that to happen. It's been happening forever. So this is the point. I want you to see it. Let us hold fast. Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another. To love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. And he's calling people out, right? As it is habit for some. but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
See, this is why we come together. This is the point of why we come together. It's to stir one another up. It's to encourage one another. The other scripture I read earlier said to admonish one another, right? To push each other down the road collectively, leaving no one behind. To figure out new ways that we can affect our community. To figure out new ways we can affect our world. To be on fire for Christ. So I got three take-homes. They're simple. The first one is this. There's a structure. <coughs> excuse me. There's a structure to the church, which is Christ as the head and us as the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? These are the basics. The next few lessons, we're going to dive deep into these subjects. But I want to make sure we have the basics first. Christ is the head. We are the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. Being built up into a temple that will house the Spirit of God, that does house the Spirit of God. Okay? There is a system to the church which involves teaching the Word of God, being devoted to prayer, singing together, and the Lord's Supper. It's really that simple. Listen, I want, to be, I want to be as honest as I can be in all of this. Anytime I get up here. So I'm just going to say it like this. Just like God is honored with two or three or 10,000 at your church. You don't have to do something extravagant to honor God in your worship. You don't have to be the best singer in church to sing. You can be the worst. You realize that? How many of y'all love going to karaoke and hearing people who can't sing? Isn't that the best part about karaoke? Obviously, I'm being facetious. Some of y'all are like, no, that really is my favorite part. You're mean. God actually enjoys that. Isn't that crazy? You know why the truth is, though? At least in my opinion? Because we're not supposed to sing alone. We're actually not supposed to do anything alone. We're always supposed to be together, and we should be encouraging each other and pushing each other along. Well, even the worst voice sounds good in a group. It does. Come stand up here next time while everybody's singing. I can promise you, not everybody in here can carry a tune very well. I can promise you. Come stand by me, you'll find one. Right? But when you're up here, it sounds wonderful. It's beautiful. Right? So you can make it complicated if you want. It can be as wonderful as you want it to be, but I want you to understand that God appreciates it in its simplest form. Your worship in its simplest form. Some of the best worship I've ever had with God 
is preparing to preach in my shower. Just being honest with you. I sound really good in the bathroom. Okay? It's the acoustics. In your simplest to your greatest, right? But these things are simple. It's just teaching the Word of God, being devoted to prayer, singing together, and doing the Lord's Supper. All right? Last but not least. <coughs> there is an order to the church, starting with Jesus as the cornerstone. Right? Jesus is the cornerstone. All of us are doing everything we can to build on and follow Jesus. You know why? Because it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Who's the king of Israel? Who's the king of Israel? Yeah, it's God. It's always been God, right? You remember Samuel comes in and says, they're rejecting me. God says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, right? You remember that? Who was supposed to be their king? We just want to be like everybody else. Who's supposed to be your king? Same today. Same today. That's why he's the cornerstone. That's why he's, truthfully, the foundation and everybody is just building off of him. Every decision we make, everything we decide to do as a church should be based in scripture. Should be in accordance with the word of God. Why? Because it's about God. He's our king. And from there, we have the prophets and the apostles to learn from, to build off of. And then we have teachers and evangelists and elders and deacons and fellow saints and members of the household of God. That is the order of the church. Now, I want you to know something. I didn't put this in an order of greatest to least. Do you know why I did that? Because there is no greatest and least. There's just one great and everybody else is surviving off of Jesus Christ. We're all following him. That's what we're doing. So it's simple. How do you get in to the church. How do you become one of the called out? It revolves around two things. Two things. You can turn it into five. You can turn it into ten as far as I care. It revolves around two things. First one is accepting the blood of Christ, right? The only way I'm going to accept the blood of Christ is if I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the only way I'm going to accept it. Right? So how do I actually accept the blood of Christ? That's simple. <clears throat> Go back to the scriptures we already read in Acts chapter 2. He says, repent, Peter, and be baptized. And your sins will be washed away. Which, by the way, is why we want the blood of Christ. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm telling you, and this is so important for us to understand, 
Baptism is not the end. Baptism is the beginning. It's the way that I acknowledge publicly and internally that I'm ready to live for Jesus Christ, that I'm ready to be buried and die to my old self and rise in the newness of Christ. This is how we get added to the kingdom of God. Why? Because this is how we get access to the blood of Christ. And it's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, church didn't start till the Holy Spirit was poured out. What did Peter say? This isn't just for us. This is for you and your children and your children's children and every other generation. If you have been baptized into Christ, God lives in you. You can go and do whatever you want, but you're taking God with you. Because now you are in God and God is in you. That's the ecclesia. That's the church. That's what we're supposed to be. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Have you been added to the kingdom of God? Had your sins removed and been given the gift of the Holy Spirit? God indwelling in you, creating a new person from the inside out. Many of us have. I'm going to go back to the very beginning and I'm going to pray. This is my prayer. That we are bold in teaching the truth, which we're going to get to in another, in another, in another series, in another sermon in the series. But teaching the truth in love, but boldly. Listen, the greatest thing Satan can do is keep the church silent. That's the greatest thing he can do. Why do you think he tried to silence it right from the beginning? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If there's any need to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. appreciate each of you being here this morning. Uh, before we close, I have some reminders. 
Uh, we'll be honoring our four high school graduates following the evening worship this evening. Please come celebrate Nikki, Gracie, Jamie, and Chase. Bring finger foods and homemade ice cream. Uh, I know our crowd on Sunday evening is usually pretty thin, but I ho I'm ho hoping and encouraging you to come back and celebrate these people's great accomplishments with us. We need help with the food pantry tomorrow and today. Today we'll be setting up tables and bagging bread and pastry. If you can help, please see Sue Shoemate. The ladies of the congregation will be going out for lunch this Wednesday, June 8th. The van will be leaving the building at about 11 o'clock. All the ladies are invited. Next week on Thursday, June 16th, the senior adult group will be going to Fujiyama Seafood and Steakhouse for lunch. The bus will leave the building at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to go on that trip, please sign the list in the foyer. We need someone with a truck to move some twin beds down to LaTanya Harp's home. If you can help with that, please see LaTanya. She'd appreciate it. I'm going to give an update on some of our sick, several that uh, William mentioned in his prayer, but these are in addition to that. Uh, others are in your bulletin. Please read that and pray for all those. Lloyd Dickerson will, we, will be having his back surgery on June 17th. Most of you know that uh, he was scheduled for that earlier and it has to, had to be postponed. He's been in a lot of pain. Please keep Lloyd in your prayers. Megan Duffy's procedure went well. They were able to find the areas of her problems. Please continue to pray for her. Uh, we got word last week after the service that Peter Florence had fallen and broke his leg. That's the femur, the, the big uh, bone in the upper leg. It's a very serious fracture. Uh, please pray for Peter. Thank you. together. 
Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the freedom and opportunity we've had to assemble here this morning to open your great book to study another portion from it. We thank you for those that were able to come out. We're always mindful of those who are on the sick list, those who can't be here, that you'll be with them, comfort them, heal them. It's only you the great position can do. As we depart, that you'll watch over us, keep us all safe until we can meet here again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.